Hey everybody, welcome back to another special episode of Wrestling While Black. I have one gentleman who's very special to us. He's always, he, he's the Stephen A. Smith to my Skip Bayless. Uh, <laughs> a gentleman who's running a wonderful promotion down in uh, Florida, um, HBCW. Everybody, welcome back in, Mr. Randall. Hello, my good sir. What's going on? Hey, man, just happy to hear you, bro. It's been quite some time. The boys are back in town. <laughs> How's your morning going, bro? Well, you know, I, I, I am up a lot earlier mm-hmm. on a uh, Saturday, but, you know, I figured, you know, do it for the, uh, as some people say, do it for the content. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah. So. Love it, love it. Well, we're discussing... This week's AEW Dynamite and Rampage, uh, the week of um, the early, the first week in May, we're talking about it. So we're going to hop right into it. We're going to get some perspective. It's good to get a man who doesn't always agree with me, which I appreciate as well because it adds some balance to the conversation. So we're going to hop in. We're not going to go down the match card specifically um, in order. We're just going to go back down based off what I have on the website <laughs> and make it easy. So we had here the, um, let's go down here. We had Jeff Hardy versus Bobby Fish, the Owen Hart Foundation's men's tournament. Uh, give a little insight here. Jeff Hardy getting his first singles action um, since he's come to AEW. So that's really dope. Bobby Fish, a henchman, part of the, um, the uh, alter, I guess, the elite, um, their new, whatever the new name is. What is it called? The uh, Undisputed Elite. Undisputed Elite. <laughs> yeah, they're Undisputed Elite. It's like they always want to add something onto the elite part here. Um, here's my feedback, then I'll, I'll pass it over to you, Randall. Great to see uh, Jeff in singles action. He is a gem. He's always been one of my favorite wrestlers as a performer. In my opinion, Jeff looked a little winded. Um, I don't know about his weight or whatever that's going on with that. I think he needs to get back into ring shape. Um, But he looks, since he's come back, he looks like just a hair of a step off. And I don't know necessarily what that is. Maybe he got an injury because he's been doing a lot of crazy stunts as well since he's come back. He gets the victory over Bobby Fish, which which I expected to happen. Um, But uh, I'm a little worried about Jeff here. I I, I want him, I really feel that uh, this is a huge opportunity for the Hardys to, you know, to, to cement their legacy if it's not already cemented, but in another promotion. And it's a huge opportunity for Jeff. Um, and I really want to see him perform well. But um, there are some question marks based off um, just the way he's been moving around the ring. I don't know if it's through injury. What are your thoughts, Randall, from what you noticed during the match? I mean, you know, I would say this about Jeff. Like, I think that Jeff has done enough of, like, the – I don't necessarily want to call it this, but I call it that a stunt match. You know, that type of thing where he does some type of stunt. Mm-hmm. And he's done that enough over the years where at this point, he really shouldn't be doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he may want to, and and that's okay. But to me, it's just like any other sport. There's, there comes a point where somebody may want to do something anymore and you kind of stop them from doing it for their own betterment. But it seems like instead of that happening, it seems like that's more encouraged these days. Because, like, when he came into AEW, he was doing, you know, like, for several weeks in a row, there was some stunt that he was doing. And it's like, okay, but at some point, when is this going to catch up to him? And, you know, that may have been what you were saying um, in, the, in the match. I just think that, honestly, at this point, you know, they should do, you know, tag matches. I get why they would put Jeff in this since I believe out of everybody he's the only one on the roster maybe not the only one um, but he's one of the very few left that would have actually had a match with Owen so I get I get why they would have put him in it but um, yeah I mean I, w- I would keep him the tag matches and for the most part I would just do you know what I would call a regular tag match for the most part unless it's a very special event and he has enough time to heal in between it besides, you know, doing those things back to back to back. 
Yeah, bro. It, it's it's tough because at the end of the day, I do see the Hardy Boys ultimately getting a AEW championship, right? You know, th- that'll it's something that needs to happen, right? It, it's something that can be if booked correctly, if the story's told correctly, that's something that can definitely happen. And so, you know, there should be a focus there. And, they, and, and adding them to the tag team division adds nothing but strength to the tag team division. And it's already a strong division. And so, like, I agree with you 100%. Maybe they were just, you know, like you said, he may have been with Vern of very few who have wrestled with him. But at this point in his career, you know, I ultimately, like you said, want to see him as a tag team specialist and just to tell that story. Um, there, there is something that's, that looks like that could be brewing between the Young Bucks and them. Um, you got, uh, uh, you know, quite a few t- young tag teams that can be brought up by them as well. And um, you can do a lot there. So, yeah, the match just, just kind of worried me a little bit. But I hope, he, he, like I said, he gets his footing, he gets it together and goes from there. We're going to hop over to the Blackpool Combat Club. Versus Butcher, Blade, and, and Helico. Um, my thoughts are, first of all, I love the name. They need a black dude in there because, you know, it's a, right now it's, it's a white pool. <laughs> but because um, they talked about Lee Moriarty, and I think Lee Moriarty looks almost, I'm not saying directionless, but he looks like he needs to be pointed in the right direction in AEW. And I think for him to be, I know they're doing trios now, but I think that uh, he could be interchangeable between him and Willa Yuta because Yuta is the ring of honor. Um, pure champion so there's some flexibility there and I do think that would be dope because he has all those things he's I think he has great fire I think he's a great technical wrestler and I think you could do a lot to elevate Lee Moriarty and the more people you elevate and bring to bring up the better you can do no question about it that they were going to get the win over the butcher the blade and Angelico uh, I do want to say I'm so proud of uh, the Butcher. He's been really been putting on great matches. His physique is amazing. In a lot of ways, his character has been rejuvenated in a good way. Um, the, the you know Blade looks great. And Helico, I, I'm thinking, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be re-signed with AEW. Um, I have to look into that, to that again. I'm pretty sure I saw an article about that. But again, the uh, Blackpool Combat Club getting a, a, a signature victory. And um, so the BCCC... Um, Good to see. And, and as always, Regal doing that good stuff. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed the match. It was good. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do with the uh, Blackpool Combat Club, especially since apparently um, there are some trios titles that have already been made. So we'll see how that goes. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, the match was fine. I mean, it's pretty standard to what they've been doing. And I think that we'll talk about the, uh, the trios titles in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, just for people who don't know, AEW Dynamite was in our in my hometown, Baltimore, Maryland, a wrestling city. So as much as people want to talk about New York, as much as people want to talk about Chicago and all that other stuff, we're saying, you know, in our hometown of Baltimore, I mean, sold out rafters. It's a, it's, I'm very proud of what Baltimore did in terms of, and, and being a, a Ring of Honor staple, um, being because it was, you know, housed there for quite a period of time. Um, you know, it was, it was something very special and dear to me. I'm, anytime Baltimore gets love, I'm happy. So, um, hopping over to, to Wardlow and uh, Morrissey, um, him and, if people don't know him from Enzo days in the WWE, um, MJF, Setting that as a mystery appointment. It was cool to see Morrissey come over. I'm going to be honest. That dude is huge. I don't remember in my mind. I, I think it's towards the end of my watching WWE. I didn't remember him being so huge. Um, but him and MJF having a solid match for two men of their size. I mean, him and, uh, and Wardlow having a, a good match for two men of their size. And Wardlow powerbombing a seven-foot-tall, almost 300-pound type dude. Uh, really cool. I love seeing crazy feats of strength in wrestling. It's like there still are big dudes in the pro wrestling world. We know AEW is the home of the 170-pound skinny indie wrestler. But we know it's nice to see like legitimate big boys. Throw hands, and it was cool. Uh, it was it was it was good for what it was. What was your thoughts on it? Wait, when you say you didn't remember, Enzo, he was, uh, Enzo Morre. Well, no, when you say you didn't remember that, uh, you know Morrissey, big cat, the former big cast was was huge. I mean, they always build him as huge. He was seven feet tall. You can't teach that, and mm-hmm. you know he's gotten into much better shape. Um, since then, mm-hmm. maybe because I haven't um, seen I haven't seen him in quite some time. You know what I mean? Yeah, but um, as far as like bringing him in, like I don't know. I 
if it's good for AEW, right? Because mm-hmm. you 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 got Warlow that you're clearly building up, and you're bringing this guy in, and he's going to get beat. But and and you know if you notice they didn't do the full symphony thing with power bombs. It was one power bomb. That may have been the compromise. But I mean, why would you why would you want to go into that company and get beat if you're him, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've already you've already told people that you're clearly not as good as X Y Z, and you know on top of that, and and this is something I kind of want to talk about later too. But I, I think that like you brought in a person, but what does that mean at this point? They always bring in people, mm-hmm. you know. So they brought you in or brought this guy in, he, he loses to Wardlow, which was obviously going to happen. And then he goes back to Impact, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what's his chances of coming back there after that? Mm. Like, what's he going to do when he, if he, if he ever has the opportunity to come back there, what's going to happen then? You've just lost on TV for, you know, the, the first time that you've been seen on national television. I know Impact is national television, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, that you, you've lost on national television for what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To what end? I get you. I get you. Definitely understand. Okay. Well, we're going to hop over to Hangman Page giving a promo. Um, again, better promo for Hangman Page. He's not a promo guy. So for a non-promo guy who's not known for being a great promo, it was fired up. It was okay. Um, I wasn't overly impressed to be honest. Um, but it was okay. So yeah, it was solid. Yeah. But I still struggle to believe what anything that he says in terms of, uh, over it's like, I just, I don't know how he, he just doesn't sometimes when he, 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 I feel the power and I get the, the, the things I think he kind of has some of Cody-isms from time to time, like the Cody, like he kind of meanders a little bit and he's like, okay, where are you going with this land to play land to plane? And also maybe the voice inflection, uh, uh, maybe some of that. But it was okay. What do you thought about? What did you think about the Hangman Page um, promo? This is one of those things that I don't understand when it comes to AEW. Is the 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 personality just quick changes for no where it does it's not explained. Like he talked about, he it'd be easy for him to go out and talk about wanting to have a good match. Which, by the way. I think people should stop doing anyway. Stop talking about having, going out and having a good match because what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in, in the world that you're in, if you're the champion, you want to go out and win, right? Mm-hmm. So from that point, I get, hey, I'm not out here to talk about having a good match. I get that. I, I, don't, I never understand why people do that anyway. Especially like Sammy Guevara when he's talking about, oh, I'm going to do something crazy in this match. It's like, dude, you should be trying to win from your perspective. Because um, having a good match, that just means to me, oh, there's going to be a bunch of extra stuff in here that I don't really care to watch. Um, but to go from that to I'm going to destroy him and for you guy over here wearing a shirt, um, you're going to be sorry that you bought that shirt after I get done with him. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why people just, why the personalities go, you know, you're not, it's one of those things like, you know, people used to get mad with the WWE when, when wrestlers would go out there and blame the fans when they turn heel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that became kind of a trope thing where it's like, man, just give us a better reason than, oh, I hate fans. And mm-hmm. the thing here is like, you're not giving the reason why you don't like Punk. You're just like, oh, I'm going to go out here and destroy him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's like, can you give us a reason why? Can you, what's, what's, why? Like, where did that come from? And they, they've done that with several people. Like when, uh, when Danielson was the, the baby face when he first came in and then all of a sudden he just started cutting heel, a heel promo on page. And it's like, can you explain why? I don't, I don't understand why. Why am I supposed to believe that you all of a sudden feel this way when last week you were the good guy? Yeah, that was an interesting curveball. I was like, well, is he heel? Is he, what is he doing? It same was, with like, same yeah. with Punk and uh, Kingston. Mm-hmm. It, it was like, you know, 
Punk is this baby face who had just debuted a couple months prior. He gets into it with Kingston, and now all of a sudden, Punk is cutting these heel promos, and it's like, but why? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Or when they had MJF and Punk feud, and just because they were in Long Island, MJF's hometown, they had they had Punk cut a, a heel promo on Long Island. You know, like this. It doesn't. I don't. I don't get that. I mean, again, who am I? I'm just a guy, but I don't understand why people just all of a sudden change what they are. Like that doesn't work in any other form of of uh, any type of entertainment, movie, TV show, whatever, to just all of a sudden flip out and change who you've been just because, well, it's the time to do it. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I think that was. It was a little bit unnecessary. I was like, all right, just be a white meat baby face. That's what you really are. He's not. He he he's. They want to make him more badass than he come. Than he really. The energy that he really has. He's he's a cool dude. He's a guy. He's a guy that I would be cool with. I would go riding ATVs with. I would hang out with. Even drank a, um, a root beer, alcoholic root beer with. <laughs> he's he's cool, you know. But um, he's definitely not a mean. He he, he doesn't seem to be like a fiery type of dude in terms of like a, like a badass. He doesn't come off badass. John Moxley is the dude that I wouldn't want to get into a, a barroom brawl with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I could, I think I could hold my own against, um, <laughs> Hangman Adam page, you know, cause we bought the same weight inside. So <laughs> I would never want to do that, but, uh, it just, he comes off like he's not necessarily a badass, and I, and I like him as who he is. He's a good guy. He got good morals when he shook hands with Dante Martin after beating him. Um, I like that. I like that hamming page. Stick to that. Sometimes you do those weird things. Like, what are you doing? We're gonna hop over to Chris Jericho and Santana. Um, so awesome. I've seen Santana in person um, myself uh, at some indie shows and. Um, no, is this it? Yeah, it was Santana. I'm pretty sure it was Santana. I have to go back to yeah. It was, I mean, I'm a, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Santana because Ortiz looks totally no. It, well, was it Santana or Ortiz? Anyway, I saw him at an indie show. So, um, yeah, Chris Jericho wins by questionable means, which we expected to happen. The rivalry is good. I ultimately really want to just see Santana Ortiz just go after, stay in the tag team division. I hope that they get this to they get this beef with Jericho in the um, Jericho uh, Appreciation Society over with. Um, they pay it off at a pay per view, move on, and then let Santana Ortiz challenge for the tag titles because I honestly think they're really great tag team wrestlers, and um, I, I love seeing what they what they can do. And so I know. Uh, it puts them on TV. It puts them in an angle. But ultimately, I would like to see them get over to the tag team world and, and, and ultimately win the ta- tag team champions because they're very talented. I mean, um, extremely talented group. So that's my thoughts on that. So, yeah. I um, I mean, to me, this is one of these things where it's like it, it kind of came out of, I'm not going to say it came out of nowhere, like the whole feud. Like, I get it, you know, Jericho got into it with Kingston and and uh, Santana and Ortiz are friends with both of them, and then there's pick aside, and Jericho goes more over the top than others. But yeah, this this is this stuff isn't particular for me. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I mean, Chris Jericho's always great. I think he, he he's always great to reinvent himself. I hope he finds another big meaningful beef, and this is cool. It gets him on TV. He's a great promo. He's a great. He knows how to carry a segment, so it's cool. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we got to either change the stakes a little bit, make it more. T- I don't know what they can do to make this even more watchable. But it's at this point, it's very well mid. I get the feeling that they're trying to get towards a, a blood and guts match. That's yeah. what I had to guess. Yeah, if it, it wouldn't be AEW without blading, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that the double cage and all that stuff. I'm sure that's probably where they're going, and that's what they think they can take this to, but. I don't know when they're planning on doing that. And to me, if they were going to do that, it would make sense just to do it on the pay-per-view. Do, yeah. do that match on the pay-per-view. Um, don't do it in on free TV. But again, that's just my thought process from, you know, 20 years ago of use a match like that to, you know, get people to pay money for instead of just, hey, let's give it away on TV. Yeah, build it up to the point where, you know, you can also pay it off in pay-per-view. PPPPPV. V. All right, so the Varsity Blondes called out the House of Black. 
you had sent me a text message about this saying this angle is really weird. I was confused too with Julia Hart. I know that, I don't know what they're trying to do. It's got some WWE-isms in it, um, which is fine, I guess, some of the drama and whatever. But it's like the Varsity Blondes are just taking L's and you haven't really brought it up to make it seem like they're even, they could even be good competition for the House of Black because the Varsity Blondes have been getting their ass kicked, really, over the last couple of weeks. Julia Hart's been disrespected. Yeah, they were fiery. Yeah. Um, you know, um, they have some crumpets, so to speak. But um, I don't know. I, I, I just think that it was... I did appreciate Pillman Jr. talking to John Harborough, who is the Baltimore Ravens coach, and talked about how he gave him some good ideas. But really, there's no hope. I mean, in, in this feud, it doesn't seem like it's even. And maybe it doesn't have to be, but the Varsity Blonde is getting wrecked every week by the House of Black. It's almost like the bullying at this point. What are your thoughts? <laughs> this segment. Can I, can I borrow from Scorpio Sky real yeah, quick? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. This was the worst <laughs> segment I've ever seen. <laughs> and let me, let, let me, I'm going to break down why, mm-hmm. right? First of all, the segment started where they started showing John Harbaugh before they even acknowledged what the connection was. They just showed John Harbaugh conveniently right then and there, and then they go to Brian Pillman. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's kind of like, look, if you're going to, if, if you want to plant or foreshadow or whatever, you don't do it immediately before the guy starts talking mm-hmm. because that just shows that he's like a product placement in, in that way. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you know, and, and this is John Harbaugh, this, you're in Baltimore, you're out there to have big fun. Everybody knows that reference, hopefully. Yep. Yep. But, yep. <laughs> big fun in Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> Classic TV show. But, but, you know, um, this is the Baltimore Ravens that we're talking about. Show John Harbaugh, like, towards the beginning of the show. Show the Baltimore Ravens. Because, again, besides anything else, you want to show, hey, look, the Baltimore Ravens think that this is worth their time to be here. So show them towards the beginning. Yeah. And show all that. So then it's already established. Hey, John Harbaugh, the Baltimore Ravens are here. So then it's not just so awkward that we're just showing him just standing there just randomly clapping. We don't know what he's clapping at. And then they show Brian Hill and it's like, oh, okay. Well, well J- clapping for Brian. In, in defense, though, JR did say that they have a relationship. They did kind of. Oh, quit. They, Go ahead. they did eventually. Yeah. They, I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about when it first started. I got he's you. He's just know, randomly clapping. Yeah. As they're just showing, hey, John Harbaugh's here and he's just randomly clapping at something. We don't know what it is. And it so would have been. I'm gonna say one thing. I hate to cut you off real quick too. You know what would have been even cooler? Have John Harborough and the Ravens in the ring too. So when the House of Black. No. Came, okay. All right. Well, go ahead. Well, the reason why is because of what you were about to say. Because when the House of Black came in, what were you going to say? Let me just make sure I understand your thought. <laughs> I'll cut you off initially. Anyway, ADHD is real. But um, <laughs> maybe. Have them attack the Ravens too? It's like a little, little, little. No. <laughs> no. Because okay, again, too much. Okay. The, why wouldn't Why wouldn't the Ravens and Brian Pillman and Griff Garrett be able to beat up those three guys? And I'm saying, I'm saying, the good. Yes, they should. You know what I'm saying, I'm saying. So then the Varsity Bonds get their lick back. Um. I mean, I don't necessarily think that that needs to happen. If mm-hmm. anything. Uh, if anything, you know, nothing I would recommend this, but if they were going to go that route, they could have had John Harbaugh in the ring, mm-hmm. and then you could have had, you know, the mist go to his eyes or whatever. You know, you could have done something like that to where now there's more to fight for to at least give another reason for this to continue. More fight. But, yeah, more that, but, but none of that happened. So, so let's, let, me, let me get back to this, right? Mm-hmm. So... They show him, then they go to Brian Pillman, and Brian Pillman starts cutting a promo. And it wasn't it wasn't his it wasn't the best, and I don't think that it's necessarily on him. I don't I'm not saying this, that I think that Brian Pillman is bad. I'm not saying that I don't think that Brian Pillman has potential. I'm saying that this situation 
I don't think anybody would be able to really sell that this is something that you're really emotionally invested in because none of it makes sense. This whole Star Wars, good side, bad side, dark side, whatever, I don't understand why people think that that translates into wrestling. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if I've said it before on here, but look, we're talking about people. We're talking about human beings. And we're talking about what we know exists with human beings. When you start doing stuff from science fiction movies of the mist is poisoning her mind, that does not translate to what can happen in real life. Therefore, it doesn't look right on TV where we're talking about people who are clearly human beings on Earth. So we're talking, we're saying, oh, you, you poisoned her mind. How many other people have been misted by Malachi Black and have not had this effect on them? Why does it all of a sudden happen with Julia Hart? What, what am I supposed to understand from that? And then, oh, so, so Julia Hart's so affected by this that she, it's not like she has a growth on her face that's coming from this. It's not like the cells in her skin are turning from this. She's painting her face every week to look whatever, like Malachi Black. So we're supposed to believe that this, this person who's so mentally poisoned decided, hey, let me, hey, guys, stop the car. Before we go, I need to go by the store so I can get some face paint so I can cover my face to look like Malachi Black. Just before we get in here, guys, don't pay any attention to this. Nothing going on here. Like, I'm supposed to understand that from this? Mm-hmm. So anyway, she's cutting this promo. He starts off, you know, lower monotone almost. And then he gets fired up. But it seemed like he had to tell himself, okay, this is the part where I get fired up. And I'm going to call these guys out for a fight. And I'm ready to fight. And by the way, he did acknowledge John Harbaugh talked about his dad living with him at Miami University. And all that stuff. Okay, good. But why? None of this. Well, none of this. All this. All this said to me was, okay, he's cutting his promo. He's challenging these guys out to a fight. He knows that they're outnumbered, but it would seem to me that this guy who's had about nine months to plan this out would have figured out a way. Okay, guys, I know I'm outnumbered, but I got a plan. And then House of Black comes out, and this segment starts to go forever at this point. The House of Black makes their entrance. What I initially turned on Dynamite that night, this is where I turned on. And this is why I sent you the text. Because I'm like, I turn on, the lights are out. And I went back in time this part. There's 10 seconds, almost 11 seconds where the lights are out at the point where they're in the ring. Mm-hmm. 10 seconds. And JR, by the way, is the smartest person on the show, apparently. Because JR keeps saying, I don't like when these lights go out. Um, and, and I don't remember if it was him or if it was Tony Schiavone, but somebody said, like, uh, maybe you guys should be at, get off the ring or something like that. So these guys come up, make their normal entrance. They're standing on the ropes for however long the lights go out for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. There's a standoff for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Apparently somebody in the in the lighting uh, lighting truck or lighting crew knew, okay, Let's put a spotlight on Griff and Brian, and then let's keep all four other people in the dark. So that's the three people of the House of Black, and we're going to keep Julia Hart in the dark. Because for what? Why was this? What is this person supposed to know that the that the varsity blondes don't know? Are the are they supposed to know that uh, that Julia Hart really is kind of with the House of Black? But uh, so so they know what to do with the lighting with that. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So these four are surrounding them. Brian Pillman is the one who called them out for a fight. And he's just standing there looking at them for 30 seconds. Standing there looking. He looks over at Griff like, I don't know what to do. What are we supposed to do now? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and then he goes back and looks. And then eventually he looks back again like, uh, what are we supposed to do? And then they get attacked. This is the stupidest segment because they get attacked and get beat down within 30 seconds, by the way. The, the beat down took 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And they got beat down. Never mind that people get beat down in matches all the time. But these guys are down, down. They're not down like, oh, man, that kind of hurts. They're like down. Brian Pillman, I don't think, ever shows up again in the segment. Rick Garrison is laid out in the middle of the ring. 
they then go and get Julia Hart, grab a, a chair, and have her to go and hit uh, Griff Garrison, who is laying there on the ground like he is in a horror movie trying to get away from Jason, but with Julia Hart holding a chair above her head the wrong way. By the way, she looked like she could barely hold the chair over her head, and he's begging off like Michael Myers is coming from him, mm-hmm. coming for him. What am I supposed to believe from this this segment? This took 30 seconds, maybe a little bit longer. And then when she doesn't hit him with the chair, which again, what does it even make any sense? And then they, they take the chair from her, they're yelling at her. Again, Brian Pillman is nowhere in the scene at this point. He's gone, gone, gone. Like, he must have, like, jumped the barricade into John Harbaugh's arms, gone. And they, they're they sitting there yelling. They ripped the eye patch off. Apparently, maybe she didn't get her face paint right this week. I don't know. And then, and then uh, the, the, who, who are the guys? Ray Phoenix and, and Pentagon and, and Pac. They all come down and run down. Am I supposed to believe they were making the save? Who are they making the save for? Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't they run out like, I don't know, a whole minute or two minutes earlier when the guys were initially getting beat down by the guys who they already don't like? Mm-hmm. Right? They don't like the House of Black, right? Mm-hmm. Why, wouldn't, why wouldn't they run down initially when this beatdown first started? None of this made any sense. And and to me, it's a, it's a measure of, Somebody had a had an idea on paper where they were really into this science fiction, you know, stuff, and they were like, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do, and this is gonna be cool." Like, can you imagine somebody saying to Brian Hillman, "Hey, Brian, you're gonna call these guys out for a fight." Okay, good guy. I really like that. Then what's gonna happen? You're just gonna stand there, and that's gonna be cool. Mm. Uh, what? Yeah, you're just gonna stand there, and then they're gonna kick the. Sh- Kick the crap out of you for the next 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. All, right, all right. Oh, oh, okay. And then I go out and then I make you come back. Nah, you're just going to leave. Huh? <laughs> what? Okay. And and then Julia Hart's going to get in trouble. Oh, and, and that's where either me or Griffin's going to make the save. Nah, we're going to bring these other three guys down to make the save for her. They're not going to care anything about you. This is a. Save her and and yeah, that's the segment, huh? <laughs> that's it. Mm-hmm. Who's this good for? I don't understand. Because apparently Malachi Black in nine months hasn't been able to corrupt Julia Hart just enough to co- convince her to turn. These other guys are not efficient enough to, to figure out. Hey guys, maybe we need to get at least one more friend. Mm-hmm. They got other friends. Maybe we need to get at least one more friend here. Or something. Mm-hmm. Who, who thought this was a good idea? I don't understand. That's 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 my thoughts on that segment. It, <laughs> it it didn't make any any sense to me at all. Wow. Yeah, I, I definitely understand. It was a lot going on, a lot of moving uh, parts. So let's hop over to Dante Martin and Ray Phoenix back from injury. Singles match. First time we all know the very talented Dante Martin. His brother Darius Martin came back and then left. Apparently he had some injuries from an unknown incident. Hopefully he heals up soon. Um, I it thought that. Oh, it was a car accident. Okay. From a car accident. So, again, derailed again. Um, you know, and they're no doubt really talented. I honestly see them being, mul- if they do stay with AEW, multiple-time tag team champions um, when it's all said and done. And these young men have a long career to go. So, I'm talking me, at least five-time tag champs. They are the future of building the younger part of the tag team. A lot of the guys they have at the top are, are veterans and things of that nature. Um, but uh, but um, losing to Ray Phoenix, I actually was on the Wade Keller podcast I called in and had to make, um, ask the statement about, is dude, what do you think this does for um, Dante Martin because at the end of the day Ray Phoenix um, is coming right back from injury this would have done more for Dante Martin to get to victory we've known they're trying to elevate him and build him up and things of that nature but at the same time um, you know it seems that 
and, and it's not it's a lot of times out of his own hands that he's starting to stop, whether it's brother's injury or, you know, not understanding his booking. But they've done overall outside of, you know, trying to figure, figure out what to do with him between his brother's injury. They've done a really solid job at some point in time last year of building him as a really good, lovable singles competitor. Very talented. Right now, he's kind of in the muck, and he's a little bit all over the place. But I thought this victory for him would have been better. But Ray Phoenix getting the W, which is still believable. I mean, um, and I understand um, in, in terms of tenure and talent overall as a vet, he has more tools in his toolbox. But I, I thought this would have done better for Dante to go over versus Ray Phoenix. And also, the match was amazing. Great match, but also, in some way, the psychology, again, what AEW struggles with, is selling correctly something. When you get a super kick or you're doing really big moves, you got to at least stay down for at least 20 to 30 seconds. Let the move sit in the person's mind as a psychological tool for me to truly believe the, the reality of this could really um, injure or hurt someone. And when you do these hopping up real quick after you get a super kick and other things of that nature, um, it really takes so it takes me out of it as a fan um, who who understands the psychology behind wrestling. But for people who don't know, who are just watching it for the first time, they're like, "This dude just kicked this dude's head off. How the hell did he just?" So that was annoying. The pace was good. The match was physical. Uh, it was solid. But I think some of the psychology was a little lacking. And I thought ultimately Dante should have gotten the victory. What are your thoughts right now? Um, I mean, I kind of knew that Dante Martin wasn't going to win the match <laughs> uh -huh. uh, for reasons that have been discussed in different areas, but um, and and if I'm not mistaken, it's a tournament, and I don't think that uh, guys that uh, you know look like uh, Dante Martin usually make it past any type of qualifying or first round of tournaments. Mm -hmm. I believe that they had the world title tournament last year, and I believe Powerhouse Hobbs lost in the first round to uh, Orange Cassidy. So yeah, I still can't um, forgive him on that. I still can't forgive him. <laughs> mm. So I mean, I'm I'm just looking here, and I mean, Dante Martin doesn't typically win anyway, right? Even even when you thought he was winning, he wasn't winning. He didn't. He as far as singles matches, like. He does not have a lot of wins in singles matches, mm -hmm. and and I just want to highlight this because while you while you're saying that they were pushing him, I just want to bring up the times that Dante Martin has been on TV real quick. Obviously, he just lost to Ray Phoenix. The last time he wrestled on Dynamite, he lost to Adam Page. Mm -hmm. The last the time before that on Rampage, he lost to Hobbs. Um. Every win that I'm seeing here is from either Dark or Elevation. He did beat Hobbs back in January, but again, like I said, the last time he faced Hobbs in February, he lost. Uh, he lost to MJF in December. Uh, the only person I've seen him actually win, he's beaten Area DeBerry and he's beaten Matt Seidel on Rampage. Mm -hmm. um, he's lost to Malachi Black. He's lost, he lost to Hobbs. You know he 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 doesn't he he hasn't really been a winner in these singles matches, and you know last year they had the story going with Team Taz where he was supposedly you know he was either joining Team Taz or he wasn't joining Team Taz, and then the story just got dropped. Yeah, right. Remember, like nothing. He, he was he was completely you know ineffective in his own storyline. He won that battle royal. He turned on Team Taz, and he immediately lost to MJF. And it was because of Team Taz, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, he, he it's like they, they were like, okay, uh, let's, let's give this a shot because he can jump high. And they was like, ah, well, we don't really want him to win. We just want him to jump high. And we'll wait for his brother to come back. Maybe that's what they were trying to do. But, like, uh, I mean, I don't think that they see the same things in Dante Martin that you necessarily see. And as far as match, like, you know, the, this is the type of match that doesn't really, let me rephrase that. I'm not going to say that nobody's interested in that because there's a lot of people that are interested in it. But, you know, to me, it's like an opportunity cost in several ways. Like, you can get some people who are interested in seeing people do moves for the sake of moves. But to me, 
that's a limited audience and it conflicts with the audience that likes to see actual stories and see things happen in matches that, you know, matter. And if you have to put those two audiences against each other, I feel like what's happened over the past 20 years is the fans who just want to see moves for the sake of moves have kind of run away the fans who like to get invested in stories and the stories with their matches. And that has reduced the size of the rest of the audience overall. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I think that it's not, you know, I get why guys want to go out there and do every move that they can do or do these cool looking moves like the, the Spanish fly that where they landed on their feet and they let, and they stood there and looked at each other. And apparently somebody said, Hey, you're going to do a Spanish fly and you're both going to land on your feet and go stare at each other. And that's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, but why isn't somebody immediately striking somebody? You just going to stand there and look at each other. Like who, to me, that's the, those are the type of things that take, you know, the, the wrestling fans that everybody's called laps fans, the fans that they want to get back. Mm-hmm. That's the type of stuff that takes people out. It's like you're clearly doing a bunch of choreography that, you know, is good athleticism, but there's only so many times that people need to see it before yeah. they've seen enough. Yeah, it's just you, you, you get as numb as like... Um you know, when you first ate your first Oreo as a kid, remember, you like Oreo cookies? Yeah, okay. Okay, as a kid, when I first had an Oreo cookie, I thought they were so good. I was like, oh, it's so good. But if you eat a whole pack of Oreos, it loses its magic. I haven't eaten an Oreo cookie since I was like, shit, in my 20s, dude. Like, I ate that much of them when I was a kid. I ate them to the point where I am repulsed. Buy Oreo cookies. I don't want them at all. So um, yeah, it's kind of like over. You give me too many Oreo cookies. Give me something else. Well, and then another thing too is in addition to everything I just said. You know, as far as doing moves for the sake of moves, here's here's another problem with that. If I'm not mistaken, Dante Martin had a super kick that he kicked Ray Phoenix, where Ray Phoenix just fell like, like just ton, ton crumbled down. Tongue of bricks. Yep. Yes. Okay. He immediately got up from this, right? Mm-hmm. If I, if my memory is correct. Mm-hmm. But he hit Dante Martin with this. I guess it was like a modified DET mm-hmm. that didn't look nearly as good as some of the other things that happened during the match. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you watch matches like that, it, it kind of sends a signal to people like, "Oh, this person stayed down because it's time to stay down." That's, that's, that's all it comes across to me here. Like, yeah. all this person's down because it's time to stay down. All right, they're down. Nothing nothing really changed as far as impact. You know, whatever happened last was probably less of an impact. But because this was time, that's it. We're down. Yeah. And, and that doesn't register. Definitely, definitely. Well, hopping over to the main event um, in... It's very, it's very uh, perfect that it was done in Baltimore, the home of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Um, the undisputed Ring of Honor Women's Championship match. We had Deanna Parazzo versus Mercedes Martinez. I had heard a lot about Deanna Parazzo, a lot of good things about her, how she's a great wrestler. First of all, her entrance is badass, okay? Um, her and Mercedes Martinez, it looks like the crowd kind of was a little dead maybe they were just over you know all the moves and flips and dips that they saw prior to this match um for what it was it was a solid match mercedes martinez getting the the uh, victory um and um it was solid it was solid and i'm happy that uh mercedes martinez got the title the question becomes you know and and also it can be said Deanna. i mean i kind of tell it almost is kind of telegraphed in a way because diana perrazzo is an impact wrestler um, so holding the Ring of Honor Championship Wrestling on AEW television. <laughs> so yeah, the casuals who are watching probably his brain would explode into a thing of jello. But um yeah, Mercedes Martinez got it. And it was a really good match. It was a solid match. Um and Mercedes Martinez, in my opinion, Mercedes Martinez, her stock has gone up and I look forward to seeing what that means for her 
in terms of like her pushing AEW and if it can be built up even more because the more women that are that are being pushed and better and doing good matches, the, the better. And I think um, maybe this puts puts her in something bigger. Um, I'm, I just don't know what this means. Maybe she's going to maybe all the champions who when they win are going to be. I don't know if Ring of and AEW has to do get, get to a point where they can explain this to her to us. Are they going to be Ring of Honor exclusives, or are they continue to come back and forth between AEW and Ring of Honor? Um, you know, that's my question. I'm hoping that, that we get an explanation sometime soon. What are your thoughts? Um, well, there's a few things. The one, um, this is an example of why. You don't put certain matches in, you know, match placement is kind of important. Okay, they wanted to make this the main event, that's fine. Don't put that other match on right before it, because now none of the stuff that they do do matter. Like, you just had a match where people seen foot, 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 lackluster move, pin. Now, hey, we're, guys, stay tuned. We have this women's match. One of these people is, well, she's not our main champion. And she's not our other champion, but she's the, the, the other other champion. <laughs> and she's going to face the the actual other other champion. You've never seen her on our TV before, but I promise you this match will be something worth waiting for. And it's like the fans were like, uh, okay. Yeah, this was and, designed and for- again. This was designed for. That's not on them. Yeah, this was designed who the AEW, the AEW, the, the super, super, super like wrestling fan. This is a super fan type thing. So I get what you're saying. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even necessarily think that. That's not. I'm not. I'm not arguing against having the match, and I'm not saying that you know the match wasn't worth having even in the main event. I'm just saying like, if you're gonna put that match in the main event, don't put that other match on right before because you're doing a disservice to these the the two women who were wrestling. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to go out and do all that other stuff. They're not going to do anything crazier than these other guys did. So why would you do? Why would you put them in? Why would you put them in a position where that's what they have to follow? That's from just a match, you know, lineup standpoint. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. But you know, this this goes back to you know I mentioned the trio title earlier. Hold and yeah, you know we're going to talk about that on a special episode. We're going to dedicate a whole episode to that. So let's keep them waiting for that. Let's keep them well, waiting. For that. <laughs> well, I, it wasn't that necessarily. This, okay. this was, but we we talked about trios titles possibly being introduced, and you have the Ring of Honor, you know, title mm-hmm. here. And to me, this is one of these things that it's a it's a hard line to walk when you have a lot of titles introduced. Mm-hmm. Um. And we can, when we talk about the trios titles later on at a different point, we can we can kind of do a deeper dive into you know what that, what I, what I mean with that. But you know, there's there's been historical times in in uh, in NWA with Jim Crocker Promotions and um, you know just different WCW as well, where there's been a bunch of titles that are introduced, and it's like, well, where do we go from here? So we'll talk about that. But yeah, definitely. Definitely, because I know you have a wealth of knowledge from the history. Because um, you got me on a couple, maybe I think what you got me on a decade or something like that. <laughs> something like that. Yes, sir. Yes, but, sir. Yes, sir. A man of a man. Of, I, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, I think that um, I, I just think that you know they were done a disservice by being put in the spot where this other match went right before. Like maybe if they would have put that Dante Martin uh, uh, Ray Phoenix match on first. Um, you know, if that was the first match and then let's say the Jeff Hardy, uh, Bobby Fish match was right before it, uh, right before this main event, it probably wouldn't have been the same result, right? The fans may have been able to get into it, but this one to me wasn't, it, it just, it, the, the placement wasn't good for them. Yeah, it was. It's definitely a tough spot. So we're gonna hop over to Rampage real quick, because um, we're getting close to our typical hour. We love you guys, but we have lives as well. We're gonna hop over to Tony Storm, Ruby Soho, and Britt Baker and Jamie Hader. Okay. Um, interesting. Uh, they're trying to get Tony Storm over. She she pinned and got the victory, and actually she pinned Britt Baker. 
which was crazy. I was like, okay, pending the golden gal of AEW. Wow, okay. Building Tony Storm. Tony Storm looked way better than I thought she would be, and, and I definitely know about the hype that she had coming over. Um, we will see how that lasts in AEW because there have been debate about them being start and stop, start and stop. Um, solid match. Um, yeah, solid match. Uh, get, get them all on television. Showcase these women I would love to see them more in, in singles matches I know they're building Some other stuff Into that But there's only so much t TV you have So yeah I'm, I'm really interested In seeing um, More of Honestly I love I would love to see Jamie Hayter more um, In singles action I think she's pretty damn good And she and she throws She's pretty stiff Too as well um, So solid match Yeah Tony Storm getting a W What are your thoughts? Well um, I'll, I'll be honest With the audience here um, I tuned in uh, late, forgetting that it was uh, an earlier show. But hey, I will say that when I did tune in at ten o'clock on uh, <laughs> on Friday night on TNT, I did get to see my St. Louis Blues play against the uh, <laughs> the the Minnesota Wild. Um, unfortunately, the Blues did not win. What was so the score? What was the score? I, you know what? It was uh, it was a score. <laughs> it was like I think it was like five to one. I think was the final score. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. Blues will come back in a couple days. But uh, yeah, for you, but, uh, yeah. Hmm? But for you, I hope they do win. Appreciate that. Wade Keller makes it a little bit different. But <laughs> um, but I will say this: I didn't see this match, but I did see the promo that they had on um, on Dynamite yeah. that set up this match. And, you know, maybe it's just a style thing, but I don't understand. It, okay, they, they said that they can't touch each other, and I guess they were referring to they couldn't touch each other before this match. So they were just standing there arguing. And it's like, I don't know. It, I don't. Seeing people just stand there and just argue and, and, and talk back and forth, it doesn't, it's not like what you see in like a reality TV show. So if people watch those type of things, I'm, I'm not really a reality guy, but you know, it didn't seem like a fight where these people really, really want to fight each other. These just seem like people who are just, hey, I'm going to argue, but I'm not going to do anything. And, and I don't really plan on doing anything in the future. So it didn't really sell me on wanting to see the match. Mm hmm. Yeah, but I feel you. Yeah, definitely. So I'm hopping to and, and just so people know, um, um, this rampage was at a special time because of the, you know, the playoffs NHL is at 530. I almost missed it. I happened to be on Sling TV and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It's at 530. I'm glad I caught it. And it was a nice surprise to see some wrestling at 530, which is awkward and weird, but I like it. Um, I'm going to hop into these matches because, uh, you know, it was just a weird time for those who didn't watch. Hook beating J.D. Drake. J.D. Drake consistently for a big man being able to bump and to sell and to do what's necessary to get people over. And he's really good at doing that. Hook getting the victory via submission over J.D. Drake. Um, Hook continues to develop. Look forward to him getting with some younger guys and maybe him developing an arch enemy or an arch rival to build over a period of time. So as his career goes, you know, he can continue to have that arch rival that he built his career with. And it'll be something really cool. Why? 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 It's just like anything else. It's just like the Rock and Stone Cold. You need to have someone like throughout your career that you can kind of. It's always is it, it, when it all. Now let me ask you a question: Who's the Rock and who's Stone Cold in this combination of Hook and Dan Housen? No, I'm not saying that. That's not his argument. Dan Housen. There's neither one of them. <laughs> I love. I think they're going to be a tag team eventually, and, they're, and I think they're t when it, when you watch it. When I you thought. I, I thought you were going to say The Rock and Mankind for a second, and you go right to The Rock and Stone Cold. And no, like, no, no. Wait. What I'm saying to you is for, <laughs> for Hook to have an, a younger wrestler on the card who's just in the same age group as him. So as he grows through his career, he'll have someone he consistently will compete with, like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Dan Housen is not that. Dan Haddon would be like the, you know, would be like a um, Mankind. I think that, I, I, I think that this is, there's a lot of things that come across as cosplay in AEW. Uh, I'm not saying that that's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that's what it comes across as. 
And to me, this this is this is their way of cosplaying instead of necessarily understanding what's necessarily good or bad. But when you have Hook, who apparently last year was getting over with people and, oh, this is the next great thing in AEW, and then you go and you get Danhausen, who, look, Danhausen can be funny and all that type of stuff. I'm not saying he doesn't have a place on the roster, but why would you take the most serious guy and pair him with the most comedic guy? And it seems like you're doing that just because, well, hey, remember those comedic pairs? Like it had The Rock and Mankind and Daniel Bryanson and Kane. Like, this could be the next funny comedic pair. And it's like, or, or Austin and Angle. Like, why yeah. would you? Yeah, but I like, I mean, the, the fans, this is at the end of the day, I get what you're saying, but the fans, if the fans are into it, hey, I would love to see them get together. He is serious. It is weird. It is interesting. But you know what? I personally like it, and I think it's interesting, but uh, but I'm just saying for Hook uh, in general, removing Dan Housen out of it, I look forward to him getting with someone, maybe even Lee Moriarty, or maybe even him, maybe, you know, I, I want to see him get with more serious younger talent, because um, like J.D. Drake today, you know, obviously we know J.D. Drake is a great bumper, he's a great, he's an excellent guy that does, fits his role in AEW, but, you know, you got to have people that work, that are veterans too, to work with the kids, so that he, so you don't expose a lot of his weaknesses as well, so this match was cool, but yeah, I get what you're saying with Hook and Houses, if you don't get it, you don't get it, or if you just don't, you know, I get what you're saying, it's an odd pairing, but... Well, like- like, like I saw, I saw enough of ECW. I didn't see every single week because we didn't get in St. Louis as we talked about the first time we talked on the show. But like, I have a hard time believing that Taz was just in the ring with the most comedic person, and and we're pairing these two on a regular basis. And and in and I'm talking serious Taz, like 1997 Taz was just like, hey. Put me with the funniest guy in the locker room, and we're going to make that. Fun. We're going to make that work. No, he was feeling with bamboo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely understand. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to hop over down to Riho versus Utah Shu Sazanaki. Um, we have Yuka has is relatively new to the AW roster. Rio got the victory as she should. Um, I always love Rio. I have a special place in my heart. Um, you know, um, so yeah, it was what it was for that. I, I didn't see her. I didn't see in anywhere where she wasn't going to be the winner for this match. I'll leave it at that. And then hopping over to Jay Lethal, getting the um, getting the uh, the main event for AEW Rampage, which is dope because we don't get to see uh, Jay Lethal too often in, in the main event on AEW television, uh, whether it's five thirty or not. But uh, Kanashke Takusada. Um, Oh, Takasita, my Baltimore accent is terrible, but yeah, Kanus, Kanaski versus Jay, Jay Lethal. Um, really good to see. Um, it, this was a DDT pro wrestling bout that um, featured the two, so it was really cool to see um, some diversity here and the person that can work and, and do what he needed to do. And it also bookended with Samoa Joe talking some smack to Jay Lethal. Um, so that's exciting. What are your thoughts about um, Jay Lethal? And Samoa Joe wrestling each other again. I mean, that would be fine. I, I mean, I, I don't, uh, you know, obviously like to see what Jay Lethal can do. Samoa Joe, uh, for me, has over the, the past, you know, so many years was probably the most believable uh, person in wrestling. And um, so, you know, I, I, I'm always up for seeing a Samoa Joe match. Um, so yeah, so I, I look forward to seeing that. Earlier, you talked about Ring of Honor and talked about you know if people are going to be exclusive or whatever. The only thing is, Ring of Honor doesn't have a TV deal, so this is Ring of Honor TV. Oh yeah, so that's true. Well, it is apparently one in the works. We don't know what it'll look like, what platform, where to find it. But yeah, you're right. Um, this is at this point the only thing he can do is elevate it via the eyeballs that he has available. So. Another thing I want to talk about before we finish up this episode, because we're getting close to the hour mark here, Scorpio Sky, um, Dan Lambert talking shit about Baltimore. Apparently he's from Baltimore, which I did not know. He's probably more from the suburbs of Baltimore, if not Essex or Dundalk, which are the more, uh, if you're from Baltimore, you know about Essex and Dundalk. Let's just say Trailer Park, uh, Whole Foods. Anyway, the Whole Foods of Trailer Parks. But anyway, um, we got Scorpio Sky (laughs) um, cutting a 
seem to be breaking away from Dan Lambert and Ethan Page, which is dope. There, there seems to be some foreshadowing there. And uh, Frankie Kazarian getting the match that he asked for from Scorpio Sky and even yells from the crowd, SCU, SCU, trying to get them back together. And Scorpio seems to be going baby face. And then when you think about AEW, we don't have a lot of black baby faces. We really don't. Or ones that even ma- uh, that are enough, substantial enough to watch on television. So I think if they can get, if, if Scorpio uh, says he's going to bring, he gave a fiery promo, he's going to bring honor back to the TNT championship. He's going to be a fighting champion, recycling some of the words that Co- uh, Cody Rhodes said initially when he first got the title as well. And, and also just talking, like telling him, telling um. American top team, Dan Lambert, and he's paid to shut and pipe it down. So we, we could see us baby face Scorpio Sky. Hopefully he's not insufferable. Um, he has a natural, to me, he's a natural heel. But if you can build him to be as a charismatic kind of dickish champion, not dickish champion, I wouldn't say dickish. If he can be a charismatic kind of, um, if he can be kind of like The Rock, if he can find his inner Rock in some ways, he can take some of the elements of The Rock that The Rock had his best when he was a babyface head, but he can continue to put his own stamp on it. I think Scorpio Sky could be an effective babyface, um, but you know he has to find something to really get this character. And, and the crowd seems to be in to Scorpio seeing that the latter match, they were cheering him on. So the question becomes, can Scorpio really be a good babyface and an effective babyface? And what will his angle be as a babyface? How will he present himself in an effective manner on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis in AEW? So that, I'll leave off with that. What do you think about... Um, I'll leave you with this, Randall. What are your thoughts on the potential of Scorpio Sky being a babyface and what he actually can do in that presentation? Um, I mean, unless he he he, he has he needs stuff to play off of. Like maybe if you have him and Kazarian, you know, Kazarian is is, is back with him or whatever. They don't necessarily have to be the tag team that they was that they were, I should say, but you know, Kazarian could at least be there with him. Almost like how, you know, some of these other older guys are with the younger guys, like the Sting with Darby Allen. Um, you could have Cavs with, with Scorpio and um and you know, at least give him somebody to play off of that's that's more along you know, he's more familiar. That's comfort zone for him. So I mean that could work. I just don't the thing is, where does he fit at with all the other baby faces? There's so many baby faces on the roster that it's like it, it, it's like um, you know people come in or they're there and then one week there's a spotlight on them and then about four weeks later that spotlight is hey look at this over here and then we start looking at this guy and all of a sudden this other guy who was getting a push is just nowhere seen or anything and I, that just seems to be the pattern so I don't really have high expectations not because of Scorpio Sky just because of you know. What happens? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you missed the thing on Dynamite, by the way. The, the Thunder Rosa promo. Mm, yeah, that was... That was rough. Um, You know, I hope that she can get together. Uh, it, was th- it was very awkward in a lot of ways. Um, I do think Serena Deeb and her are going to make some great matches. I think they're going to do wonderful work. Um, but we got to get the promos together. It was very, it was a lot of dead air. It was weird. It was awkward. I don't know why. Maybe it was the last second they got thrown into it. I don't know what the, the, the mechanics of it behind it. But I look forward to seeing if, if Thunder Rosa can, can, can answer the challenge of, of being a little bit more charismatic in, in presentation as well. So that's, that's all I'm going to say on that. What about you? I think that this is an example of some of the things that are old that can work again. Like, you know, again, when I was growing up, you had the WWF and WCW, they would do the promos where they were pre-produced and, you know, they might be 15 seconds. They might be 30 seconds. One minute would be a long time to do them, but where they just standing there, a lot of times back then it was in front of like a, what we now know as a green screen. And they would just, you know, cut that promo, it was focusing on them for that 15 to 30 seconds, and then we move on to something else, or another person or something like that. And to me, they could have announced the match, and they said, hey, we got to cut back to this promo from Thunder Rosa. I know now they do it in front of that AEW, uh, TBS, you know, backdrop or whatever, to be more modern, I guess. But even that would be a, 
hey, cut this promo for 30 seconds, zoom in to her face, and then get out of there. Because that's probably where, she, where, where the most effectiveness is. Let her get in, let her say the message, and let her do that repeatedly. You know, she doesn't necessarily have to cut live promos in front of people. That doesn't necessarily need to be a requirement all the time. If you do do it, do like a, um, a post-match interview where, okay, she's going to be, she as an athlete, she should be winded, but she should be able to, you have a Tony Schiavone actually doing an interview and not just handing the microphone off like you did with Paige. Like, do an interview with her, but don't just leave her out there with a microphone to talk. Like, some people, it's just not, that's not their strength. And play to people's strengths. Yeah, that's the thing. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta present that in the way. You're right, without a question, dude. I I, I agree with you 100. Um, percent It's uh, so yeah. It uh, she, she I just love her as a person and what she can do in the ring. And hopefully, like I said, she can continue to develop and live up to what she what she what she's possible what she's capable of in the ring. If she can do half of what she does in the ring on the mic, then we got a lot of a lot of promise there. So, Randall, again, thank you for coming on Wrestling Wild Black. We banged out a serious hour plus. Um, and I am not a morning person whatsoever. So the fact that you came with the fire, you came dropping the hammer with your opinions, man. I'm appreciative of you coming on. And, and um, I look forward to seeing what HBCW does in the fall and spring and summer of this year. And um, let the people know where they can find you. Well, we got some stuff coming up this summer for sure. Uh, you can go to uh, YouTube. You can find out our previous videos on uh, at HBCW Wrestling. And, um, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, I actually posted a throwback match of, uh, of this this guy. Uh, some people may have heard of him, T-Bone Funk, facing a, uh, a younger Sam Shaw at the, at, at the time. Uh, that match is from um, about 10, 10 years ago. So, uh, you know, a little throwback video there. But, uh, you know, we uh, you can find us on Facebook at HBCW Wrestling, Instagram, HBCW Wrestling. You know, we uh, will be will be announcing some stuff coming up in the summer, and I think a lot of people will be pretty happy with what we got. I love it. I love it. I look forward to supporting it. And um, Wrestling Wild Black will be down to support HBCW when you do do your event because a lot of good things on the horizon. We're going to keep you guys attached. And you will be hearing Randall way more often. I'm going to try to get him as much as possible when it comes to covering AEW and AEW Dynamite and Rampage and just other different topics because he's a great mind in the wrestling world. He's a man that has a lot of perspective. He's, he's, very, he's very good at research and by far one of the most talented indie uh owners in all of wrestling in my opinion in terms of knowledge and this understanding with this beautiful art is of the squared circle so folks thanks for coming on wrestling while black Hands up,